Well, today on the Leadership Collective podcast, we're talking about sending considerations, how we send and subsequently support uh, people on ventures of faith. This might include a church planter or it could include a missionary. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to this episode and our special guest. You know, any one of us, no matter what person it would be uh, serving at our church in whatever capacity, we would all say if the Holy Spirit was really leading them to go with somebody, we'd, we'd be behind it, tough as it was. What we're kind of against is, is the idea that recruitment may happen in a manipulative way, in a less than transparent way. And so to me, a lot of times with recruitment, it's, it's how it's done that's more important than whether or not it's done or, or who goes. Yes, we have two great guests with us today. Um, first of all, we have David Gusick, who is a longtime uh, missionary, pastor, church planner, and right now is the content creator for the Enduring Word online commentary, which is an incredible resource for pastors and really anybody who wants to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And uh, so excited to have you on with us today. David, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. And then we also have Nate Holdridge. Uh, Nate is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Monterey, California, a great Bible teacher, a wonderful dude, and uh, <laughs> so great to have you on the program as well, Nate. It's awesome to be with you guys, and what I really want to get into is what is David's web traffic like on Saturday before all the pastors out there are trying to put their final touches on their sermon. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nate, Saturday is a big day for traffic, but our biggest day of traffic consistently during the week is Wednesday. Wow. Wednesday. Interesting. I, I don't know why, but that's our biggest traffic day of the week. But Saturday is big too. It's those Wednesday guys getting ready for Wednesday, Wednesday night, night service, who are right? just downloading your notes right? for their uh, through the Bible study. And uh, I have to say this about Nate. Nate is the guy who has the voice that every pastor wants. Right. <laughs> Amen. Right on. What a blessing to have you guys. So as we're as we're diving into this conversation. Um, we're going to start, and maybe we'll circle back around to actually uh, explore uh, this, but we're going to start with the assumption that sort of Acts 13 has already uh, taken place. Uh, the, the Spirit has confirmed uh, that He has uh, called uh, this individual or this team. Uh, it, it, we have fasted, we've prayed, we've laid hands on them, we are now sending them out. And so we're going to start from that assumption. And like I said, we can circle back around and talk about that process. But let's just talk about how we then go about handling financial support, for instance. Like, hey, let's start there. How do we, um, we've identified a person, we're going to send them out. Um, obviously, each situation is unique. Um, there's reasonable, you know, guidelines and expectations that that we need to have. And they're all going to be a little bit different. But uh, Rob, what, what are your thoughts on that? Just to prime okay. the pump here. Yeah. So in the 26 years that I've been the pastor at Calvary Vista, we've actually planted 18 churches. And, um, so the way that we've approached this has been different as it related to somebody being sent out internationally versus somebody sent being sent out domestically. And for a, a couple going out on the mission field internationally, we have supported them um, somewhere in the range of five hundred to a thousand dollars a month, and we've made an initial commitment 
um, for three years on that. And then knowing that um, now years ago, I mean, $500 would take a guy really, really far, um, you know, especially like in Eastern Europe, Russia. Those are some of the places where we were planting initially. Um, but, but now when we send somebody out, you know, that isn't going to cut it. So they have to raise the rest of their support before we agree um, to launch them. And so that's kind of how we would handle somebody internationally. Domestically, we would cover their salary, their insurance, uh, the building rental um, for three to five months in the initial sending out. And if they end up not having enough people by whatever we distinguish, there's going to be three months or five months, that last month we would tell them that they need to start looking for a job. And uh, so that's the way that we, you know, covered have covered and, and approached that at vista so, so that was salary building salary insurance building rental okay that was our commitment for the first three to five months and then you know sometimes somebody would be in a place where they'd um have the salary and insurance you know the, enough people coming in but they'd still need help on the building so we would you know we would uh continue to support that yeah for, a while now is that pretty much hard and fast rule for everybody you send out or yes. does yeah that is pretty yeah. standard anybody who like you said is met that acts 13 criteria that we feel like they're called we want to get behind them that's been the approach that we have um, taken okay in those church plants that we've done okay nate how about you yeah i mean i'm taking notes there with rob's answer that's it's a great one. I think that sounds similar to an approach that we've taken in the past. I think you bring up good questions. You know, are we talking about someone who's from inside the church or outside the church? Are they appealing to us from the outside? You know, they're a missionary that's just collecting their support from a number of churches, or are we their sending church? That's a yeah. huge question. You know, for us, we've always wanted to invest more. Yes. and people who are raised up within the church than folks who have come from the outside, though we want to support people who are from the outside, knowing that no single church or donor is going to be able to get the whole job done, and then asking the question about what kind of context they're going to. The, the international versus national context is a question, but then also the uh, developed world versus the undeveloped right. world. You know, you kind of bring that up as far as how far the dollar is, uh, is going to go. Right. Uh, for us, there's always the filter too. And I, I know this isn't really the question that's being asked right now, but the question of does this align with our uh, vision and mission as uh, a particular church? You know, every church has to kind of sort through what's our heart, what's our focus, what's our vision. So for us, church planting is a really big deal. And that serves as a grid or a filter for us when it comes to uh, the kinds of missions opportunities that we support. If it's a church planner, that's like in the prime center of where our heart is at. If it's helping a church plant or it's trying to do something that will eventually lead to a church plant, that's great to us. Uh, but if it's more periphery and uh, it never really has that as an aim, you know, it's not like a for instance, like a Bible college that is wanting to help church plants by building up the next generation, but it's more like, I don't know, bringing water to a group of people who need wells dug or something right. like that. We believe in those things. They're beautiful, 
but they're not going to get the priority uh, right. for us because we, uh, for our, our church, you know, that's kind of a filter that we've got. But I think the dollar amounts that you're talking about um, have been right around where we're at. Uh, for us, though, we tried to think through how to make those payments and to kind of have a culture of reassessment mm-hmm. where the person that's going out understands this isn't in perpetuity. Uh, I like that three-year number for a start. For us, we make a year commitment and say we'll reassess next year. Mm-hmm. One way that we that I've found that that can kind of be helped is by saying, we're not going to do a monthly donation. We're just going to make a huge lump sum at the beginning of the year. And that kind of communicates a little bit more. Okay, this is not a month to month in perpetuity thing, but this year, this church decided to invest in this way and we'll come back to it again uh, next year. I like that. So that's been some of the stuff that we've done. Although I will uh, add the caveat, uh, I, this is really not my area of expertise. You know, I try to find people who are good at managing this type of thing in our church right. so that I can put my head down and be the word uh, guy. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I'll just add for, so in, in, in my answer, the context has definitely been um, people who were planting, who were basically on our staff. Um, we did have a couple of individuals over the years where, you know, they were guys who were leading a home group, um, felt called to go plant. And so we ended up doing this, and this really, really worked well, is we we had them work it out with their employer in their mm-hmm. last um, year that they were um, with us before we sent them out, that they would take one day off a week, which was Tuesday, and they would come and work at the church that day. And they'd come to our staff meeting, and we just wanted to do and integrate them in everything. So for those six months, their employ their employers agreed to let them take that one day off, and we would cover their salary for that one day. The second six months in that year, we would bring them on staff full time before we sent them out. Hmm. And so that was, uh, you know, kind of part of our training that we did in sending you know okay. sending guys out but the context of my answer was definitely guys going out to plant and guys who you know had either interned or had been on our staff um that we were sending out did you have a set uh task list for uh for those for when you would bring them on staff full-time yeah. you had we, we wanted them to go through every aspect of our ministry mm-hmm. in the course of that year to be able to figure out and know like they could know why do we do children's ministry the way that we do it? Right. Why do we do um, youth ministry? Why do we do women's ministry, men's ministry? We wanted them not, not to say that they would do it that way. But right. They just need them, to know how the sausage yeah, is made, yeah, kind exactly. of thing. Right. We even put them through learning how and to and have a basic understanding of like doing sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that was because when I went out. All I knew was how to do youth ministry. I didn't know anything else about running a church. Right. Um, I had never had been to a board meeting, none of those things. And I just felt like I was at the mercy of you know, mm. well-intentioned people in the church, but who right. all had you know, their own ideas on different things. And so from that, I felt like the guys that we sent out, I wanted them to have a very well-rounded view of how the church worked. Right. And so that that year was really intentionally given to putting them through 
every single ministry right and and to, to know how we did it and why we did it and know the heart behind it mm-hmm. yeah we uh we've had this conversation before but you know i've made a point of telling our guys what's going to kill you isn't what you don't know it's what you don't know that you don't know yeah. and that's the that's the beauty of what you're talking about of bringing bringing them in to really have them see you know how the sausage is made in these different ministries so they see how it integrates into the whole just yeah. so they have a working knowledge of um, you know why we have it and what a healthy ministry looks like at least the healthy components of it yeah what about you david what are your thoughts on this i really like how you phrased a lot of that rob and one of the things i appreciate and i think was really valuable for the church planters that have gone out of your church is the uh, the real clarity behind it i think that a lot of trouble and, and misunderstanding begins when expectations aren't clear on one side or another mm-hmm. and you've made it really clear a dollar amount You've made it really clear a term uh, for the church planners. For those serving on the foreign fields, I'd really echo what Nate said about how valuable it is to do it. Okay, we're going to guarantee you three years, and after that, it's going to be a certain term. Um, In my years of of missionary work, I've seen it being sometimes uh, significant problems that missionaries will develop a sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I, I feel a little bit strange saying that because... You know, look, everybody who's doing a, a worthy service of the Lord is is uh, entitled, I suppose, in some sense, to some kind of support or participation from the body of Christ. But it, it, it's not like a perpetual blank check to right. say, we, we will be committed to support you uh, no matter how long, no matter what you're doing, no matter what the effectiveness. Uh, th- that's just not a valid way to do it. And so... Uh, you know, having a very clear expectations and, and then making it clear to people that, you know, we're going to reevaluate this every year, every two years. And, you know, we'll, you're, it's not guaranteed that we're going to stay on and support you. We're going to con- try to listen to the Lord year by year. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'll tell you, David, we had to learn that the hard way. And, and I would say, I wouldn't call it, in our case, it wasn't an a entitlement, but it was more of a dependency. And, you know, the missionaries had come to a point where they just depended upon us. And early on, like I said, sending people to Eastern Europe and Russia was so inexpensive that it was just amazing. You know, guys guys were, you know, we were, we were supporting them like $200 a month and they were living better than anybody on my staff, mm. you know. But um, you've heard of the of B of A. Well, it became B of V, you yeah. know, the, the Bank of Vista. Like every single issue that came up, it was like, hey, we need money for this and we need money for this. And as the cost of living in those places began to grow, it was getting to the point for us where it was like just not sustainable sustainable yeah it's impossible for us to keep up with the demand so we had to make a shift to this model that you know i'm I'm, i've laid out here you know and sometimes the the missionary vision of a church will change somewhat yeah Uh, some churches are much more interested in having a very broad impact in a lot of different places in the world uh, other churches say, no, we're going to impact fewer places, but with a much greater investment to each individual place. Yeah, you know, Those things are up between that church's leadership and the Holy Spirit, and, and nobody should despise it. No, mm. it's good. 
How do you guys ensure financial accountability with those works that you're sending and supporting? Whether it be a missional international effort or if it's a if it's a, a stateside kind of church planting effort. You want to jump in there, Nate? Boy, uh, well, let me say I, <laughs> when I hear you ask that question, my first impression is on the mission field. There's very little accountability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact of it. And right. that's that's um, spoken from somebody that lived on the mission field right. for yeah. how many years were you overseas? <laughs> well, we were over there seven years, but you know, I mean, and remained closed both before and after. I mean, we we know how things work, and yeah, d just to be honest, there's very little accountability, and um, I, I think that because of just the way it is culturally, at least in our circles, uh, it, it would probably be seen as like an intrusion. To, to ask for some kind of financial accountability. That's probably a very wise thing to do up front with people that we support from our churches is to say, listen, please don't get offended. If we ask yeah. for expenses, if we ask for how things are going, uh, this is just part of our good stewardship before the Lord. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Communication is key. Right. And, uh, but again, this is another one of those things that we learned the hard way because we didn't really ask for any accountability. Right. But I, I will tell you this. I have a funny story. Phil McKay, we, he was a Marine, and he was a guy on our staff, and, and he was you know just he knew how we operated. And mm -hmm. so he gets on the mission field in the first couple of weeks. He's sending me like... <laughs> a daily list of everything that he was doing because he wanted me to know that, you know, he was like really using his time wisely. Um, but, you know, normally what we're doing is now is like asking for a yearly budget report and, yeah. you know, some different things like that. As far as the long-term missionary mm -hmm. right. goes, not so much with the um, domestic church plan. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit different. Um, and you know, sometimes one of the things that we have done when we've sent guys out and, um, uh, I'm talking about in this particular example of those that are planting domestically, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're going out endeavoring to plant a church in, you know, one of the States here. Um, and so what I've done with guys is I send them out and I say, look, you're going to operate under our board for, you know, for your initial sending period. Uh, and your those that are giving to your work can can give to our church and will earmark it for what you're doing and um, and then I send them with a credit card uh, they they oftentimes these are guys that have been on staff uh, they're they're staff pastors with us they already have a church credit card and so I send them with their church credit card and say you know this is your budget is this line item. And, you know, as people give, it all goes into there, and then they have to, uh, you know, justify, just as any pastor on staff would have to justify what their expenses were when they were yeah. using their credit cards. They would, they would do it that way. And then what that does, too, is it kind of takes the pressure off them to where, look, we don't even know if this is really going to be a church. And we're hoping it's going to be a church. I mean, you're endeavoring to go out on a, on a, on a venture of faith right now. You're starting you know, a home Bible study. There's maybe four or five, six of you to start. Let's see what God does with it. But it gives them the opportunity to, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to go and open a bank account, get your 501c3 or any of that stuff to begin with. Right. You can just operate as, uh, as you know, a mission missionary endeavor out of our church 
Um, and, um, and then that kind of takes the pressure off. And then let's see if they get traction. Let's see if they grow. Um, they've got built-in accountability for the expenses that they're, mm-hmm. that they're having, which are negligible at that point. And, and then once they get some traction and, okay, now we're going to help you get a bank account. Now we're going to help you get your 501c3 and all, all of those things. Nate, what are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, for us, I like to go the ultra extreme route. I want to know every single dollar that has ever been spent in that man's professional, personal, or ministry life. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think one like filtering kind of question for me has been, what's the bulk of this financial support going to? Is mm-hmm. it like a paycheck, you know, that's supporting a man's living expenses, his, you know, his family? Well, you know, the church here pays me and I'm, I'm not giving this fastidious record <laughs> of, you know, how much went to Cheerios and how much right. went to dairy products, you know, and all that. Like, if that's what the support is, I'm expecting that we've done the hard work of vetting this person on the front end. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there you go. Here's the money. I don't have time to babysit you and hold your hand to try to figure out exactly how you've spent your personal finances. Yeah. But if they're going, for instance, to um, like David did for many years, you know, to, Hey, part of our funding is to run a school or something like that. Then uh, you're talking about a different ball game, you know, where you want to get involved. So for us, one thing that's been helpful to provide some accountability in that kind of setting is to just, when we send people out, to offer one or two of us here to serve on their board of mm, directors. Good. Um, and I try to make that for just a three or four year stretch because what I don't need is to have a roster full of pastors here who are busy with meetings that Mm -hmm. pertain to another fellowship. But if they can have, you know, for two or three or four years, half of their board comprised of people that they know from our fellowship, leaders that they trust from our fellowship who are experienced, and then the other half of their board comprised of people that are going with them or are on their leadership team, then those people get stronger and stronger during the course of those two or three years from learning from the people with uh, experience. So that, yeah. that's been a helpful uh, way for us. That's good. Uh, how, how do you guys go about presenting a venture of faith to the congregation? So let's, mm. you know, you've got, you've got that person and, you know, the, the spirits made it clear, hey, hey they're going. You know, and um, and let's let's and that can it can be look differently. Typically, it's a guy who's on staff with us for for those of us that have larger churches. It's a guy that's it's already on paid staff, and so, but you know, it it doesn't always look like that. In fact, frequently it doesn't look like that. Um, but uh, how do you, so? How do you go about presenting that venture of faith to the congregation? You know, that has um, changed. As well, you mm-hmm. know, as far as I mean, that can look different. If it's somebody who um, is on our staff, then they have probably already, you know, preached several times. Um, 
you know, we had the podcast a, a while back where we talked about sharing the pulpit, and yeah. I, I like to do that. And so, you know, the the body knows this individual, and um, so we like to do, um, you know, uh, an, an opportunity where, you know, we'll print something up and we'll kind of do a big send off on a, on a Sunday. Um, and then after that, we do video updates um, that they'll send us, and we'll show those, you know, to the body as well. Um, one of the more recent ones we did ha was one with a pastor who I actually met on a mission trip over to Africa, and he had been pastoring in Africa and ended up, he was feeling called to leave there and we had a church that we were partnering with in new zealand that needed a, a pastor so long story short the lord opened up the door for him to fill that position and so i brought him to the church had him preach introduced him and his family you know to our church and um and then we you know, send them off mm -hmm. in that way. But usually it's it's around that type of a, a way of just presenting the vision, the heart, the people, um, printing out something that people can take home, put it on their refrigerators, and then continuing with video updates that they'll, you know, send right. us. How about solicitation of support in in that? Um, it's, it's not anything that we've ever discouraged. Mm -hmm. Um at all and we handle all their support you know as a church right and we print up cards um, in fact we have a missions board that has their picture and name and a qr code that if they go on that it goes to their website and it shows how people can give um, but we've never made a big deal of it either like yeah like you know hey we want everybody here to support these guys right you know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, so, how about uh, Nate and Monterey? How how do you guys go about? Uh, you know, you you're presenting this to the church congregation. You have to think through these issues of, you know, do we let them solicit support? Do we do they set up a table? Do they, uh, mm -hmm. hey, you know, write us a check, kind of thing? What you know? Um, how do you guys approach it? Well, it really depends on who they are, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if if this is a beloved pastor who's been part of the church for a number of years, part of sending them out is taking the church honestly through the grieving process mm -hmm. of losing a man they really love and his family, um, celebrating what God is doing. You, you want to make a really big deal yeah. out of that kind of person. Um, and good. for us, it's a kind of a no brainer of uh, what we try to tell the church is if we're, if we're supporting financially as a church, I try to say to the congregation, you are already financially supporting this endeavor. Yeah, that's good. Because when you financially invest here in turn, you're financially investing them in them. Right. However, if you would like to go above and beyond and get behind them even further financially, Here's how you can do it. Somebody like that, it would be a no-brainer decision yeah. for us to support them in that way. Right. Um, I think another way to launch out maybe a missionary who they're not part of your church, they're not a known entity, is to try to make them a known entity in some way. Um, if they're uh, a pastor or they're a good speaker, uh, that's an opportunity to find a 
Sunday where you can be out of the pulpit. That's the best way, really, mm-hmm. is to have them share the word if they are capable in that. And that can kind of stir people's hearts for missions in general and then kind of attaches them to a greater degree to that individual uh, missionary. And, yeah, I think for us, we've just kind of taken the approach. If, if we believe in them enough to support them financially ourselves as a church, then we're willing to have full information without solicitation right. for, for them to hang out the shingle or hand out the QR code saying, mm-hmm. if you'd like to support me directly, here's how uh, you could do it. We, we haven't had a problem with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I see in the whole thing is that the, um, the presentation of the person or the family or whatever before the congregation and, you know, kind of in the Sunday morning classic announcement and presentation thing, that thing is good. It's necessary. I think it's an important marker, but people do things today on social media that mm-hmm. extend their reach far more. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. missionaries or church planners are able to connect with people and get their message out to people so much more effectively now than they were able to 15, 20 years ago. Uh, so uh, it kind of comforts me that it's not all reliant on how good of a presentation we make on a Sunday mm-hmm. or something with with the family or with the person. I mean, obviously we want to do the best we can with it, but it, it is good that people have a lot of direct channels that they can, they can yeah. use. Yeah, that's a good observation. We're going to pause for a minute to hear from our friends at Cultivate, a church planting initiative of CGN. The gospel is the hope of the world, and the world needs more gospel-centered churches. That's why Cultivate by CGN exists. I'm Clay Worrell, Executive Director of CGN, and I'm here with my friend, Pastor Nick Cady. We want to take a moment to let you know about the Cultivate Church Planter Training Program. Cultivate has created the infrastructure to support the planting of 1,000 new churches in the next decades, starting in 2023. We follow in the footsteps of renowned church planters in the Calvary Chapel movement, embracing and adopting their rich heritage of church planting in order to transmit our values, theology, and philosophy of ministry to this generation and for those to come. You know, as church planters ourselves, we understand that planting a church is not an easy task, but we believe it's an essential one. That's why we've created a range of resources to help you and your team prepare for the journey ahead. Our resources are personal, practical, and pastoral. Our program is from 6 to 24 months and is designed to equip you to lead a gospel-centered community wherever God has called you around the world. We also have a global team of mentors and coaches with thousands of hours of experience planting and pastoring churches, and they're ready to support you in the training phase, the launch phase, and in the post-launch phase of planting a church. With our guidance and support, you can feel confident in your ability to engage the world for Christ. Are you ready to answer the call of church planting? Together we can make a difference and bring the hope of the gospel to communities around the world. If you're ready to take the next steps and learn more about our church planting program, we invite you to visit our website at cultivatechurchplanting.com. Nate, you'd mentioned the, you know, the beloved pastor, uh, and that opens up all kinds of considerations too, doesn't it? Because you know, when we've got a guy who you know, has been a beloved pastor, they're, they're also kind of, um, in, in many ways, um, I don't want to say indispensable, but I'll use it for lack of a, of a better word right now. They're sort of indispensable, right? They're, they're, they're integral to what you're doing. Um, and so that opens up the consideration for, wow, how do we, you know, how do we 
begin you know may, paving the way for to send this person out and to fill the vacuum in behind mm-hmm. them so thoughts about that so it's a great question and i think when it can be approached over the long term um you know that's really really helpful you know where it's not i mean there there are certain you know have been certain situations um that we've had where it was um you know a church that ended up needing a pastor and so one of our guys was in a very short amount of time you know was was taken that step and um and there's been a couple of times where we we didn't necessarily have somebody in the wings usually we have a you know a funnel we have a pipeline and we have people that are you know in the wings right um and uh and so that's felt and you have to just you know um get the the body to understand that that hey this is part of our you know, one of the things that we really like to preach is that we're interested in um, the big C church, you know, at Calvary Vista. It's not just about us. Yeah. And so here, you know, here's a, a church, you know, over in this area that their their pastor just died or their pastor fell. And this, you know, church is, is hurting and they reached out to us. And so now we're going to send this beloved, you know, person to come and, and fill that need. And it's part of our being connected to the big C church yeah. and, and getting our body to understand that and i think if that is a part of your normal culture it's easier for the body to mm. get that you know that they understand that hey this right. just isn't about us and what we're doing but we're interested in and we're a church that you know is is partnering with you know last year our church was able to um, help three other churches financially one with a youth center um, one overseas with a project they were doing, and then a, a church that just got into a new building, we gave them money for their chairs. Mm-hmm. And our body, when we told them we were doing that, they were just so excited. Right. You know, there was no question like, what? Why are we giving money to them? You know, we. It was like, oh, they, they just applauded. They were like, that is so awesome mm-hmm. you know, that we can do that. But that's a, a culture that we've really tried to develop at Calvary Vista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the three words I would give is the word overlap, training, and sacrifice. So Mm. overlap uh, for us has meant if we're able to be, have a little bit of depth uh, on the bench, a little bit of depth on the team, then it helps when you're sending somebody out or away. Uh, There's other people to step into the space that they've left. Training is also important because sometimes you can't, um, you know, for instance, if you're talking about on staff pastors or something like that, and you're sending one out, uh, you might, you have, you have a limited amount of resources and Mm -hmm. there's only so many that you can carry financially, um, in each church. So maybe you don't have that extra person, but are you training and developing behind the scenes so that when you send someone out, there's people that you can draw from, And then the third word, sacrifice, you know, we've had times where we've wanted to do the thing where we're sending a guy out, we're paying his salary for, you know, a year or something like that, along with their initial, you know, church budget expenses, where we've wanted to do that. But the only way for us to be able to afford to do that was by us not backfilling his position Mm -hmm. once he left. Mm -hmm. And so sacrifice means, Hey, we're going to sacrifice financially 
for this guy, but our team, our staff and our volunteers, we're going to sacrifice as well because we're not going to think about backfilling his role for another year. So the responsibility now falls on us to collectively yeah. uh, pick up the slack that he's uh, left behind. Well, uh, do you, do you along the same lines, do you allow this person, uh, let's say they want to, Hey, I want to, I want to recruit a team to go with me. Uh, I really, I've got this great vision. I want to go out. I'd really like to invite, you know, some people to come. Do you encourage that? Do you discourage that? Do you set limitations on, you know, their recruitment? How, how do you handle that kind of scenario? <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> David. It's tough to deal with that, isn't it? I mean, you have to really reckon with the fact I I've got, I've got people either on staff or just like high level servants at the church that, uh, I feel they would be very difficult to replace. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think the issue is more, a lot of times it's how the recruitment is done. Right. Yeah. I mean, like any one of us, no matter what person it would be uh, serving at our church in whatever capacity, we, we would all say if the Holy spirit was really leading them to go with somebody, we'd, we'd be behind it tough right. as it was. What we're kind of against is is the idea that recruitment may happen in a manipulative way, in a less than transparent way. And so to me, a lot of times with recruitment, it's it's how it's done that's more important than whether or not it's done or or who goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It it feels it it to me it's always felt like one of those icky kind of conversations to have. And especially when it comes to, you know, you know, if a guy is saying, I want to plant a church in Antarctica, right. You know, it's like, Hey, recruit whoever invite, you want. Because invite everybody. Anybody, right. Yeah. yeah. Anybody that says yes to that, that's gotta be the Holy spirit. Right. You know, but if it's like, well, I'm going to plant a church in the cool part of downtown, you know, next to this really edgy coffee shop that everybody loves. And it's like two minutes away. Right. You do feel that like, Oh, I don't know that I just want to open it up to you to recruit everybody. So that's where I think it just, there needs to be conversation right. and dialogue and agreement. Whereas brothers, you're coming together in unison together. Right. I mean, part of a good planner is to say, I don't want to, I don't want to burn any bridges. I don't want to do anything that leaves a sour taste in the mouth of the church that's sending me either. But right. I've just found it takes some real honesty and dialogue and just getting there. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I've had the, um, and I think just for, for clarity, all of our church plants um, have all been in either other states or they have been in other countries. So um, we, I, I have yet to have somebody go like even to the next city over. And um, so, you know, my perspective is a little bit right. different. So I've never face that. But having been somebody who was sent out by myself, um, and it was just me and my wife and our two little kids at the time, you know, having some people go with us sounds like that would have been amazing. Right. Um, but I have seen, you know, on a few occasions where where some people did that and it didn't work out well. Right. You know, like there was a lot ended up being a lot of friction and a lot of difficulty. So I think it really, really has to be 
you know, prayed through. Um, I do love the model of what Levi Lesko did, though, when he went to Montana and he took, you know, there's like 20 young people that right. went with him. And their whole, their whole focus was that they were all going to get jobs, you know, at places where, you know, college age and young adult people frequented mm -hmm. so that they could build relationships with them to invite them to the study. Right. And so, you know, to me, that was an incredible strategy and a very unique right. um, way to do it. But it turned out really, really well. Yeah. Um, because once they started that Bible study, you know, these people had all built relationships with, you know, 20 other right. people who were interested in coming and it just turned into this snowball. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, that would be a, a, I'd like to see somebody else model that and see how it, it, it goes or if it was that just a unique thing that God did with fresh life. But I love that, you know, that yeah, approach that works to the degree that it's, that it's sincere and genuine, yeah. right. That the people don't feel like you're trying to sell a man way. Yeah, totally. You know? And, um, and so that, that, um, you know that's an integral part of it. There are conversely, there are those people that are really strongly opposed to the idea and the concept of sending teams um, because the they come with distinct expectations and create a burden on the on the would be planting pastor. You know, right out the gate. I don't know. I, I frankly, I've seen it work both ways, and I think that all things considered, you know, sending people with uh, you know, others in support uh, typically uh, seems to be better mm -hmm. uh, in um, in the experience and um, in in the long run. Yeah. You know, I've seen more success that way. Um, what, what about this uh, idea of maybe to shift gears a little bit here, if it's okay? Um, is once you've sent somebody out. Um, how do you practically support them over the long term? And I think you know the the key word there is practically, as right. far as like the whole relationship goes. And and you know what? How do you do that as a as a pastor? Um, mm. Any thoughts on that? Well, it, it ideally it's going to move to a more of a of a relationship with a colleague, right? Um, you know, look he, here's another fellow pastor. Here's another fellow leader um they're serving the lord in my field in their field i'm serving the lord in my field and uh, isn't it wonderful that we can bless one another support one another do that kind of thing so i mean hopefully that that's kind of where you hope things were to be headed you you, you kind of don't want people to feel like they're in a perpetual subservience to you. right I mean, that's a little bit of a strong word but um you know i mean it's we're, we're just colleagues together in god's work we're all co-laborers together yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know it, it, that complication that can be complicated when they're still kind of supported by you. But I think that's a good direction for things to go. Amen. I like that. That's good. I I had a conversation with a young pastor who we sent out uh, seven years ago, and it's fairly close to us, about twenty miles away, and um, it was at a church planning little luncheon that we were hosting here for cultivate and uh i invited him out and um you know we were just reminiscing on the last seven years and i 
recognize now that I really dropped the ball during those first couple of years of him being out from us. We were giving financial support, and I know that we sent people with him as well. So, you know, he is very thankful for that. But he is more of a relational, is more of a relational kind of guy, loves networking with other pastors, just, you know, loves the <laughs> pastor's luncheon and, you know, being with other guys. And I'm not really as much that way. You know, I, uh, for me, it's like if we're getting together, it's like, well, what are we going to accomplish? <laughs> right. What's the agenda? Kind of yeah. yeah. And, and I realized that I really hurt him. Mm. Um, by kind of neglecting that relationship. He, like David said, wasn't looking for me to be his boss or his overseer or anything like that, but he was looking for me to be in a relationship with him and to, and to, Just encourage kind of, to, to be the initiator that would check in on, Hey man, how's it going? I, right. I know it's hard out there. It's gotta be hard. How's your family? You know? And uh, I just wasn't regular enough in that. And so if I had to do it over again with him, I think in the lead up to going out, I would have done some deeper recon to try to figure out what kind of man I was dealing with here. Because some guys, that's not going to be what they're looking for and what helps them. So I would have done that. And then I think knowing myself, I would have figured out ways to, systematize and make sure that that got on my radar yeah. um, so that I was faithful in reaching out to him. You know, my my oldest daughter is off at college right now and I've got a repeated thing in my to-do list that reminds me like, Hey, call her, reach out to her, you know, because that out of sight, out of mind thing, I'm very susceptible to to that. So I think I would have made more of a plan to be over at his church every three months or so, not even to speak, but just to visit. I yeah. think I would have taken him out to lunch once a month. You know, I'd have done things to really um, gel us together. Right. So what you say is so good, and it's so convicting because I was guilty of the same thing. I sent, you know, a couple of guys out. Most recently, um, both of them planted in Tennessee, about uh, forty-five minutes apart from each other, and um, and I told them both the same thing. I just said, "Look, I really am horrible." about initiating contact. I just know that about me. So um, I, you know, if I just need to warn you that, that I'm not good at this and, but if you call me, I'll make it a priority to take your call. But in hindsight, that really wasn't good enough. And in fact, ironically, I just had coffee with one of them yesterday and he was, and we had made time to go visit them in, uh, in Tennessee um, at the, at the beginning of the new year and um, and he, he he was telling me he is one of those Nate those relational guys that you just described, and he was telling me how much it meant to him. And he said, "I didn't even know I needed that, but when you you and your wife came out and spent time with us, how you know basically it really filled up their cup, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. not stuff that you really think about proactively, but it makes a world of difference to these guys. It to me this is a really hard thing <laughs> um, because with, with some people. No matter what you do, right. it's not going to be enough, you know. For and, sure. And um, so I have had the. I'm, I'm much. I'm very much like you, Ted. And so I. I just tell the guys that we've sent out. I tell them this. I say, look, I am not a good 
initiator. Uh, I said, it's not that I'm not thinking about you or that you're not on my heart, but I I said, sometimes I'll come in and I'm like, I'm going to send emails to these three missionaries and then just stuff gets going in the day and it doesn't happen. So I, so I tell, I tell every single one of them this, I'm not a good initiator, but I'm a great responder. And if you call, I'll pick up and I do, you know, or I get back to them that day. Um, but it's, it's funny. I mean, I have, I have one guy right now who's just, he's so mad at me because, um, he just feels like I've let him down, you know, and I got, I got wind of this. I need to have a conversation with him because like, he's just, he's like bitter, um, you know, I'm not bitter, right? (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's just hard. It's really hard. So one of the things I did was I had our missions pastor, like it's part of his job. You have to be the in- initiator. Yeah, you, know, you have to be. You know, this is part of your job district description to reach out to these guys. But this is what's interesting. Even in that, with some guys, um, it's not good enough. Yeah, because if it's not me, then you know they're they're kind of hurt. And um, so you know, one of the things that we did in this though too was. Um, we had our home groups, each one of our home groups Adopt uh, adopted one of our church plants and missionaries. And um, so they kept in contact with right. them. When they came to town, they'd throw a big party for them. Um, they'd send them gifts at Christmas. And that was something that we found to be really, really you know, helpful. And then they would report to me sometimes, like, "Hey, so and so's really going through a hard time. You know, it'd be probably good if you gave him a call. Right. You know, that type of thing." So that that was helpful. You know, that it, it it definitely needs to be a team effort, especially the more you know plants that you have, because um, right. it's you know it's challenging the the more you have to keep in contact with all those different people, right? David, for you and Ingalil, um, what uh, was your experience in terms of? Um, the things that you needed logistically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. One attitude we adopted, and we really tried to pass this on to other uh, missionaries, was that the the burden of communication is on you. Mm. you you're the missionary. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I'm a little bit like Nate when he said he's susceptible to the out of sight, out of mind thing, but th- that's how I am, and. I, I think that you just got to realize that if you are uh, the church planter, if you're the missionary just sort of pining away, waiting for somebody to contact you, you, you need to ping them. You need to yeah. approach them and just say, hey, I just wanted to fill you in on what I'm doing. Uh, not that a daily, uh, here's everything that's going on, you know, kind of text message or email that you described before. But again, just the um, realize... Look, the the um, the burden of communication, of initiating communication, you should feel like it's on you. David, you just freed me. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you know, I'll say this too, and and this is maybe a word to the church planner or the missionary that might be listening to this, is that I think sometimes when we go out, and I know, man, the first you know six months, eight months for us was so slow when we were planting. It was so slow. And you just feel like you have nothing to report. You know, like you look at, especially if you come out of a very active church, you can feel like nothing's happening here, you know? And so I encourage our missionaries, 
just t- tell us what God's teaching you. You know, share our devotion, share a devotion with with us. Um, we just want to hear from you. You know, we don't need a grandiose report of how many people got saved, or we just need to hear. Hey, here's what the Lord is teaching me. Here's what He's doing in my life. And um, but I love the fact that you know I agree wholeheartedly with you that you know them putting that burden for communication on them is. I agree. Right. Personally. Well, but l- let me add to this, though. I-, I wouldn't say that to like a missions pastor. Hmm. Just sit back. You know right. what I mean? Oh, I would no, no, deliberately no. have different messages for different yeah, people. Right. Totally. You know, I- I'd say to the missions pastor, hey, you go out there and get engaged and do all that. But I would, without reservation, say to the missionaries, if you're feeling neglected, you, you need to initiate communication. Right. That's good. Right. Thank you. Thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we talk about supporting, sometimes we've got guys uh, that come to us, uh, whether it be missions or it, it be church planting, and they've they've got a they've got a vision for a venture faith. God's called me to this, and you just don't see it. You know, you just you're like, man, I cannot, I can't confirm this, I can't see this. So, um, so how do we support? people in in that kind of a scenario so i've had to do this three times and um it's tough and uh two of the times did not um didn't go well but it's a hard conversation and the way i approached it was this way as i said look you know, I love you. Um, you know, I, I know that you feel this calling, you know, on your heart and your life. But, you know, we just got to be honest with you that, you know, our leadership, we're, we're just not seeing it at, at right now. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to say that you're not hearing from God, you know, and I would love to be wrong. And so the way that we've approached that is we've said, look, we're going to pray you out. Definitely. We will pray you out, uh, but we're not committing to support you in this venture of faith, you know, financially or the way that we would, you know, have done with others. But, you know, we definitely want to pray you out. We're going to continue to pray for you and support you. But we're going to step back and kind of like a Jonathan and his armor bearer type of situation of let's just see what the Lord does, and if the Lord makes it really clear that he is in this, then we'll get behind you 100%. Mm-hmm. And you know we'll put a, maybe a time limit or something on that. And in two of the situations, um, you know, the Lord proved that he wasn't in it, uh, and unfortunately, you know, those guys got very bitter you know, at us. But in one of them, the Lord did prove that he was in it, and we did get behind him, and it turned into, you know, a very, um, a great church plan, you know, that happened. So that's the way that we've approached it in those three times that we've had to deal with it. And, and it's, it's not fun. So when you pray them out, are you bringing them before the congregation to pray them out? Yeah. Even if you don't discern that. Yeah. I mean, in just a sense of, (laughs) of, of saying that, you know, Hey, this, these are our brother and sister and you know, they, they're feeling this call. And so we want to be, we want to pray for them. You know, they're, there, uh, but it, but there is a, I think, a noticeable distinction with the body that that was a little bit different than the way that we right. sent that guy out last year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's just a sense of like, hey, these guys are feeling a step of faith, and 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 so, you know, one thing that we can do for them is pray for them, right? Um, and uh, because again, you know, 
who am I to say that somebody's not hearing from God? Right. You know, even right. though it, it doesn't look like it to me, doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, I, I would love to be pleasantly surprised. So that's the way that we've handled that. Amen. Have you guys had to deal with that at all? You know, they, they say some people are sent and other people just went. <laughs> Good. And, uh, you know, s some of the went ones work out okay, yeah. like you're kind of talking about. Yeah. Uh, they do. Um, you know, we, we'd like to pretend that we have perfect discernment and we can, you know, pick all the winners and predict all the losers. And uh, But all we can do is just rely on the discernment the best that we can and uh, keep in touch with people. And, you know, if, if we feel like we've made a mistake one way or the other as things develop, just kind of be real about it and deal with it from there. But. It is. It's one of the real things that we have to deal with. So uh, this has been a great conversation, guys, and really just have enjoyed all your uh, insights in this. And uh, unfortunately, we lost Nate's audio. Um, but David, do you have uh, just any kind of closing thoughts on this subject of church planning and supporting missionaries and church planners? You know, sending people out as church planters, as missionaries, you know, workers for the kingdom, it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work to do it right, and but it's really worth it. It's really part of the kingdom purpose that we have. Amen. It prevents us from being just sort of drawn in upon ourselves, and I really think it's a way that we consciously fulfill the Great Commission on a lot of different levels. So, um, yeah, I think it's really, really important, despite the work, despite the landmines that come along sometimes, it's something we should really be dedicated. And I think this conversation... Uh, has been helpful for some guys towards that end. Amen. Great. Thank Amen. you, David. All right. Thanks, Nate. Thank you guys both so much. It's a pleasure having you on. Look forward to having you on again. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Our goal with this podcast is to help you lead well through all seasons and challenges of ministry life. So we'll see you next time on the Leadership Collective.